This is the Tennis Podcast. I'm your host, Nick. I'm Brandon. Brandon, since this episode is being released on Wednesday, May 29th, and Memorial Day happened in the past. Yes. What did you and your inflatable family do on Memorial Day weekend in the past? In our days of future past? Hmm. I think... You shouldn't have to think about it because it already happened. You did it. I'm thinking back to my memories and we ate some barbecue at my parents' house and it was very quiet and boring, which is exactly what I wanted. I know that's not the exciting answer you were hoping for. I don't... I hope for nothing. I expect nothing. We had to take a boat everywhere because of extensive flooding and rescued... You rescued people in your boat? Animals. <laughs> animals, yeah. People can drown. Well, Brandon and I do live in Oklahoma and there's been a lot of flooding in this area. On my Memorial Day weekend in the past, I edited podcasts for you and our listeners. I'm selfless like that. But you laughed the whole time. No, I don't laugh either. If you are new to this show, the Tedish Podcast is a show where... <laughs> you won't laugh. You won't laugh at all. You won't enjoy us. And uh, what we do here is one of us brings a top 10 list on any given topic and the other tries to guess that list. This week, Brandon, you have the list. I knew you were going to do that. I don't have the list. How did you know I was going to do that? You didn't know I was going to do that. Because I mistakenly re uh, revealed one of my uh, recurring nightmares and fears to you this week and I knew <laughs> it would very soon come back to me. You tried to trick me into thinking I was responsible for the list and I had neglected my duties. Well, no one would ever suspect you of neglecting any duties. You mean like poop? <laughs> Double meaning because it's like that but also that you're a lazy ass. What's your list? You got a list. Yeah, today is a special list because 10 episodes ago was episode 31 and on that episode, we had our most popular episode ever in terms of downloads. That was the most popular songs from the 1990s on Spotify. That's been our most popular episode? Yeah, that has more downloads than any other. Okay. So, we're going back to the well? We're going back to the well for episode 41 and that is the most popular songs of the 1980s on Spotify today. I was alive then for all of them, yeah. for all of those years. You were. I was alive for the last few months of those years. I should be an ace at this. I think you're going to have a tough time but let me explain the list for those that might not have heard the 90s episode. This is a list that I'm pulling. It's the same article, pudding.cool. The article is fantastic. It was written by Matt Daniels. I'll put a link to it on our social media at Tennis Pod but it's a link for every decade and every genre of music, their popularity on Spotify today. So, what does this mean? This means the song was released between 1980 and 1989 and what makes this list interesting is because unlike say a billboard chart, billboard measures a song's popularity when it is first released but that can be a lot different than a song's popularity through the years and through the decades. A song that was number one in 1982 might not be anywhere in the top 10 for Spotify plays in 2019. So, this, song, this list is really a measurement of a song's enduring popularity. This article from Pudding.Cool says it best, quote, past popularity doesn't always translate into present day popularity. And we're using Spotify here. So, this is Spotify plays by year on average. Spotify, I think we can agree. Well, it's a fact. Spotify is the most popular music streaming service out there. So, if a song is popular on Spotify, it's probably a good indication that it's popular elsewhere as well. Agreed? I don't think I have any choice but to agree but I do agree. We're going to look at the top 10 but I have the top 20 in front of me. Brandon, why don't you give me 
some guesses on surefire bets to not be in the top 10. Well, these would be songs released in the 80s that would are not popular today. Do you think Radioactive by Imagine Dragons is in the top 10? Of the 80s songs? That was supposed to be funny, but it's not. Yeah, you know. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> well, you know, I actually have a shit ton of notes. So, let's not waste any more time and let's just get into it. Give me a guess for the top 10 most popular 80s songs on Spotify today. I'm going to start with Don't Stop Believing" by Journey. You know, I really hate you. You really piss me off. Is it number one? Why well, do you have I, to... It's much easier for me to guess this list by starting with the most obvious and then trying to understand what sort of trends might lead to the other answers. Don't Stop Believing" by Journey is number one. It came out in 1981. Uh, its annual Spotify plays 50.9 million, just about 51 million times per year the song is played on Spotify. It's from the Journey album Escape. Here's what's really fascinating is this is not even the most popular Journey song according to Billboard. And again, Billboard ranks a song's popularity when it's first released. Can I guess their most popular song according to Billboard? Yeah. Is it, um, I'm trying to think. I can, it's Open Arms. Oh, it's not. Oh, Open Arms. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was the one, uh, I think it's, is it called Desperate Hearts or um, Separate Ways? No, Open Arms is the one that has this repeating melody, bum, 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 bum. I don't know why, but ever since I was in high school, every time that song comes on the radio, I sing, bitch ass wiener, (laughs) bitch ass wiener, bitch ass wiener. This is beautiful. I will do it throughout the entire song and then at the end when the song really takes off and he starts singing, whoa, we like have a duet going with him singing, whoa, (laughs) and me singing bitch ass wiener. We're all very impressed with your lyrical genius. Bitch-ass wiener, you singing that is a good out-of-context snippet for me to for me to submit to our next Brandon Bloopers bonus episode. Great. Don't Stop Believing, according to Billboard, was the fifth most popular Journey song at the time of release, but it's number one of all of the 80s on here. Journey, uh, or sorry, Don't Stop Believing is 25% higher than the number two song on this list. It has a huge lead. Mm-hmm. It's more popular than the 90s number one song, Nirvana Smells Like Teen Spirit by just about 200,000. Yeah. On all of Spotify, any decade, any song ever released, it's the fourth most popular song on Spotify. Uh, Well, I'm not surprised because I I think it's also, it's frequently played in like, I remember, yeah, I'm ready for the jokes, but I remember being young uh, in the early 2000s, in the early 2000s. Wow. And just after, just after the series finale of Sopranos no, you're going to ruin it. I have this as a note. Yeah, it's probably, I think that the series finale is probably a big reason why that song became popular again. Yes. It, which is strange because I think there's a lot of people who enjoy that song that don't, still don't associate it at all with the Sopranos finale. But anyway, I remember being at a bar and that song coming in and people being... I thought you said you were young. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, How old are you in this bar? Oh, 23, 24. Okay. But anyway, uh, people were singing and there weren't, I just remember it wasn't the kind of people that I think would have been singing it because baby boomers also love this song. 
Yeah, and we know how much you love Baby Boomers. Yeah, it's highly associated with my favorite TV show of all time, The Sopranos. Tell us about The Sopranos for the people at home who yeah. aren't familiar with Sopranos. For the folks at home, in 2007, the song gained press coverage and a sharp growth in popularity for its use in the famous final scene of HBO's The Sopranos. Steve Perry, the frontman for Journey, was initially hesitant to allow the song to be used in The Sopranos but later agreed. <laughs> Digital downloads of the song soared following the episode's airing and the exposure motivated the band members to overcome the struggles they were having at the time and find a replacement lead singer after Perry's departure. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the overcome the struggle of no one wanted to hear their music anymore. <laughs> and I love the fact that Steve Perry almost didn't allow it in. Like, Steve, it's decisions like that got your ass kicked out of Journey. But Brandon, what about artistic integrity? Well, uh, he still has the same hair he had in, in 81, so... He does have some amount of artistic integrity. I have some other funny facts about this song. Uh, the title of the song came from something keyboardist Jonathan Cain's father frequently told him when he was struggling musician on uh, Sunset Boulevard, ready to give up because he was not having success in the music industry. Each time he would call home in despair, his father would tell him, quit being a dinosaur and get a fucking job. What? A dinosaur? That's from Step Brothers. His father actually told him, don't stop believing or you're done, dude. A lot of these notes came from our friends at Wikipedia, by the way, listeners of the show. Now, here's my favorite note. While the lyrics mention being born and raised in South Detroit, can you hear that part in your head? Yeah. Born and raised in South Detroit. There is actually no place in the Detroit, Michigan area called South Detroit. The location south of the Detroit city is actually the Canadian city of Windsor. Steve Perry has said, I tried North Detroit, I tried East and West, but it didn't sing. South Detroit sounded so beautiful. I love the way it sounded. Uh, he's right. Growing up in Northwest Detroit. <sighs> West Philadelphia. It is the best-selling digital track from the 20th century. So, this is different than Spotify. This is people that actually buy the song on their phone or computer. A lot of boomers in there. From the 20th century with over 7 million copies sold in the United States. And it is the best-selling digital song from the pre-digital era. I bet a lot of that are baby boomer ringtones. And it was also the best-selling rock song in history until our friends and listeners of the show Imagine Dragons Radioactive. Hold on, I have a sound effect. Have a, uh, you'll have to give me a minute. You have to cut out a little bit of time, but I have a... Hmm. You don't say. This is great. This is the sound of your dad falling asleep in his chair in the other room, but his phone starts ringing. <laughs> You're making these jokes, but I know for a fact you fall asleep in front of the recliner with the TV going. Well, that's not my ringtone. <laughs> Actually, do you want to hear my ringtone? No, I don't. Nobody does. Okay. That's Don't Stop Believing number one. I, I have no problem with that being, with all of the accolades and, and high rankings that that, song, that that song receives. Yeah, it's a good song. I'll allow it. That's, don't, that's Journey, Don't Stop Believing. I'd say there's maybe, in my opinion, two more obvious ones in the top ten and then the rest are not as obvious. Give me another guess. Is one of them In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins? No. But I'm glad you asked because In the Air Tonight is number 41. 
Oh, wow. It's a lot lower than I would have thought. 99 Luft Balloons. Is that a real song? What is it? Yeah, you've heard it before. What is it called? It's by 99 Luft Balloons. Left? Luft. L-U-F-T. It's German. I hate it. it. Oh, it's also in English. It's 99 Red Balloons. No goddamn Red Balloons. Okay. Not even in the top 50. Are there any songs by Prince? No. In the top 10? None. Okay. Islands in the Stream. No. Hmm. Are there any b- songs by Motley Crue? No. Hang on. When you think 80s rock, what's the first thing you think of? Van Halen. No. I mean, that's an acceptable answer. Bon- John Bon Jovi? ACDC. Okay. Would you say ACDC is one of, if not the biggest rock band from the 80s? That's true. They're not in the top 20. Really? Back in Black? No, none of it. They're not in the top 50. I couldn't believe that. I thought Back in Black would be like number two or three. So far, I don't understand this list, but now I'm starting to guess there's probably a lot of pop songs. The highest Van Halen song is number 23, which is Jump. One of the worst ones. I would say that the top 20 here is, I mean, it's a good mix of pop and rock. More one-hit wonders than in the 90s list. More one-hit wonders. There's still a lot of big names in here. In fact, there's the biggest name that you haven't got yet. I was going to say there's got to be a Michael Jackson song. Is it Thriller? Thriller is number two. Ten. Ten. That's surprising, right? I thought it'd be two or three or one. Yeah. Thriller has been played on Spotify 24 million times per year. Compare that to Don't Stop Believin', which had 50 million. So, over twice Thriller, which is crazy. Uh, it's from the album Thriller. Came out ni- The single came out in 1984. And kind of like Journey, I had always been under the impression that Thriller was Michael Jackson's most successful song ever. It wasn't? No. Uh, Billboard had it at number four at the highest. Beat it. Hang on. Let me talk to you about goddamn Thriller. Okay. Tell me about Thriller. Thriller, the album Thriller is the best selling album of all time in the world with over 66 million units sold. I believe it. Thriller, I also thought was the lead single from the album Thriller, but it's the last single. It's the seventh and final single from the album. Seven singles. Yeah. It's almost like a Taylor Swift song where all but one song is a single uh, or Taylor Swift album, I mean. The Thriller music video is extremely famous. It premiered in December 1983. In the video, Jackson becomes a vampire and performs a dance routine with a horde of the undead. He does not become a vampire. I don't know. I said zombie. That? Did I say vampire? You said vampire. Yeah, I meant zombie. I, I don't know why I said vampire. Well, first he becomes, I think it's supposed to be a werewolf, but he looks an awful lot like a kitty cat at the beginning of the video. You know, there's a like a movie within a movie at the beginning. Yeah. That part where he wolfs out and turns into a werewolf. Yeah. Is like the scariest thing my kindergartner has ever seen. A couple years ago, I I showed him that music video and we didn't make it past like the first 30 seconds before he covered his eyes and screamed. Uh, So, I've actually watched that video within the last week because I showed it to the baby to see if it scared him too. Yeah, you're a good dad. And it didn't. He's a much braver baby. Are you as bad of a father as you are a sidekick host? Equal. You're equally as bad? Okay. The Thriller music video has been inducted into the National Film Registry as culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. (laughs) Not to my kid. The video was responsible for doubling the sales of the album Thriller and the music video was sold on VHS, which is crazy. It's like a 10-minute video sold on VHS. Mm -hmm. It became the best-selling videotape ever at the time it was released. 
Do you remember that it starts out with a, the video starts with a message from Michael Jackson? No. Because of his strongly held personal beliefs, he wants to express that he does not believe in the occult. <laughs> There's a message if you just go what to What does YouTube. he say? I mean, I'll go look it up. It's on YouTube. Before the video airs, there's a title, there's a screen that says, Due to my strong personal convictions, I wish to stress that this film in no way endorses a belief in the occult. Michael Jackson. He says Michael Jackson? Well, I mean, that's him signing it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of the video. He quote himself. Yeah, the signature on the quote. He should have been more concerned about people worrying that he was monkeying with kids. <sighs> rather than that he was a fucking zombie. Yeah, I was afraid we would have to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, the, about the most important thing about about this guy is that uh, the whole time that he was America's pop star, he was a fucking sexual pervert. I still plan to. I just haven't got around to watching the Neverland documentary on HBO, but I hear it's pretty damning. Although I saw a headline the other day. I did not read the article yet, but I saw a headline with the Jackson estate refuting points in the documentary. Well, here's the deal, Jackson Estate. I've realized that you have a vested interest in people not boycotting Michael Jackson stuff because they found out that he's a pervert. But even if all this stuff was untrue, he did the worst job of making it seem like all these things were untrue. It's like somebody, if somebody didn't commit a murder, but they walked around wearing bloody gloves all the time and a ski mask. Were you talking about what I wear when I mow the lawn? And then they were like, I don't understand why people keep thinking I'm a murderer. Yeah, uh, it's because you constantly made it seem like that's who you were, even though it was incredibly easy to not do those things. Like you and the hot dog. Whatever. Even if you not eating the hot dog in the airport is not true, even if it's not true. It's not. You sure do a bad job of making everyone think it's not true because of how disgusting you are. We need to get back to this list. Can I give you a Brandon's bullet about Thriller? Sure. Uh, the people doing the Thriller dance with them, the other zombies that rise from their graves, yeah, are also extras during the parade near the end of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. The dance that the people are doing in downtown Chicago when they're doing coordinated dance is the Thriller dance. There are people who also danced for the Thriller video. I guess they only know one dance. <laughs> or John Landis was like, hey, that one thing that you did that was famous, just do it again. They're like, you know, we're professional dancers. We could do, I mean, I could do ballet, I could do hip hop, I could break dance. It's like, no, do the one we like, do the zombie dance. Well, it's just like an actor getting typecast. Yeah. They're stuck being zombies even in, even in the Landis universe. Or the, I'm sorry, I said John Landis, it was John Hughes, even in the John Hughes universe. Yeah, I mean, I know we all we all uh, know off the top of our head the differences between John Hughes and John Landis. John Landis directed the Thriller video. John Hughes wrote and directed Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Got it. Thank you so much. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. You mentioned people possibly boycotting Michael Jackson because of these allegations against him. Yeah. I have a note here that the song Thriller has continued to chart on the Billboard Hot 100 in the years and decades since. In fact, it reached number 31 as recently as 2018. That's a good Halloween song. Yeah. All this stuff still doesn't make it a bad song. No, no, of course not. It's more due to Quincy Jones than a uh, sexual pervert. Right. Quincy Jones wrote the song. So, Michael Jackson, he is the only artist in the top 10 to appear more than once. What other song do you think is on here? 
Beat It. Beat It is number 9. Thriller was 10, Beat It is 9. Thriller had 24 million Spotify plays and Beat It barely, quote, beats it, huh? Right? Awful. With 24.9 million plays. It's from the same album. It did rank number 1 on Billboard compared to number 4 for Thriller. We should just switch all of the files that the, the radio uses or the online files for Beat It with Weird Al's Eat It because it sounds the same so it's still a jam. We don't want to be reminded about the sexual abuse while we're trying to jam so we'll listen to Eat It and we'll laugh and jam. Okay, I'll see if I can make that happen, Brandon. I'll make some calls after this recording is done. Is that all right? Laughing and jamming. Beat It won the 1984 Grammy Award for Record of the Year and Best Male Rock Performance. It was covered or parodied by Fall Out Boy, Fergie, Weird Al, and countless others. Yeah, countless. Do you know who plays the guitar solo on Beat It? That's the next note. Eddie Van Halen, who did it free of charge. Hell yeah. This is a quote from Wikipedia. The engineers were shocked during the recording of Van Halen's solo to discover that the sound of his guitar had caused the monitor speaker in the control room to catch fire, causing one of the engineers to exclaim, this must be really good. Should have said, it's lit. (laughs) This solo is lit AF. I did not know that. That's awesome. That's definitely an Eddie Van Halen move. I didn't realize you were such a Van Halen fan. I only like... Eddie Van Halen and the guitar playing. I don't care anything about David Lee Roth and Sammy Hagar. Well, I like Sammy Hagar as a character that's just in the world, but I don't care anything about him musically. Okay. Speaking of characters in the world, the music video for Beat It helped establish Jackson as an international pop icon. The video was Jackson's first treatment of black youth and the streets. Both Beat It and Thriller are notable for their mass choreography of synchronized dancers, a Jackson trademark. And one more note about the video, Michael Jackson financed the video out of his own pocket, $150,000 to produce the video after CBS refused to finance it. I wonder why. You know another Jackson trademark? (laughs) Beating it. Do you want to go ahead and get it off your chest, something about sexual abuse? Yeah, sexual perversion. Okay. My last note on Beat It is shortly after its release, the song Beat It was included in the National Highway Safety Commission's anti-drunk driving campaign. (laughs) (laughs) What? Like to beat a breathalyzer? (laughs) Drinking and driving can kill a friendship. And Jackson collected an award from President Ronald Reagan at the White House in recognition for his support of the campaign. Reagan stated that Jackson was, quote, proof of what a person can accomplish through a lifestyle free of alcohol or drug abuse. Okay. (laughs) So, you can, uh, free of alcohol and drug abuse, but not free of sexual abuse, I suppose. Well, no, it was rife with drug abuse. I guess that's true too. His life was rampant with, (laughs) one might say that he died of of drug abuse. I think that's unfair to say. (laughs) Some think it's unfair, some say truth. (laughs) Well, there's one more Michael Jackson song in the top 10. Do you want to guess? Billie Jean. Billie Jean is number two in the top 10. The uh, Beat It and Thriller were in the 20s on the millions Spotify plays. Billie Jean is just under 41 million, a big jump. It is Michael Jackson's most successful song by any measurement. It was number one on the Billboard charts. It spent 25 weeks 
on the Billboard charts, and it spent seven weeks at number one, which is almost unheard of. Uh, most songs, if they even reach number one, only last one week. Billie Jean lasted seven. It also introduced a more paranoid lyrical style for Mr. Jackson, a trademark of his later music. The lyrics describe a woman, Billie Jean, who claims that the narrator is the father of her newborn son, which he denies. It wasn't. Jackson has said the lyrics were based on groupies' claims about his older brothers when he toured with them as the Jackson 5. That I believe. Because I, one of the things I've heard about different types of abuse he suffered was his brothers who were older teenagers at the time when they would be on tour at the Jackson 5, they'd bring groupies back to their rooms and lay, lay down on top of them in the dark with uh, little Mikey in the same room. That's part of why he grew up to be a, a sexual pervert. If you ever read about Michael Jackson's childhood, it's not hard to see how he turned out the way he did from his brothers and his father. Yeah, it's pretty nasty stuff. I remember seeing a video, I don't remember the exact words said, but when Michael Jackson died at his funeral, it was, you know, it was televised and they interviewed his father and his father within like the first sentence was plugging some other musical act he had been working with and managing <laughs> instead of talking about his son at his funeral. I found a new musical act to manage by beating about the head and shoulders with a leather belt. Oh, God. Uh, this is depressing me. That's what I'm here for. Jackson had reworked the song Billie Jean for the Pepsi Generation commercials. During the filming of the second commercial, a firework in the rear of the set was prematurely detonated. <laughs> I, like, I like using the word detonated for a firework. Uh, set Premature detonation is a problem that sexual pervert had. It set Michael Jackson's hair ablaze. The incident necessitated reconstructive surgery. I'm sure that's the only reconstructive <laughs> surgery he had. On his face for 30 years. Uh, say what you want about Michael Jackson. I won't argue with you, but Billie Jean is an amazing song. Yeah, it is. And it is my favorite Michael Jackson song. I like a lot of his music. I just also know that he's a sexual pervert. Yeah. Uh, Michael Jackson has three in the top 10. He also has number 12 with Man in the Mirror. Uh-huh. So, because you got Michael Jackson, you've gotten four out of the top 10. Congratulations, Brandon. You did it. I know. I'm good. Really good at You're this. You're great. You're so great at this. Give me another guess. Girls just want to have fun. No. Girls just want to have fun is number 37. It's coming to me. Wait. The hot dog that you're bringing forward to your mouth via your hands or something or a song you're trying to guess? Total Eclipse of the Heart. No. Number 24. Pour some sugar on me. No. Number 35. Let me tell you some big names that I was surprised were not in the top 20 or much less the top 10. Okay. ACDC. Mm hmm Pink Floyd. Right. Van Halen. Metallica. The highest Metallica song is one at number 38. Black Sabbath. Def Leppard. Foreigner. Madonna. Like a Virgin's not on here. Not even in the top 50. Uh, no Prince. No Janet Jackson. No Whitney Houston. No Eagles. I need to be thinking about more one-hit wonders, right? Uh, there's one-hit wonders and there's also some big names. Are there any songs by Billy Joel? No. Uh, Sledgehammer by Peter Gabriel? Nope. Are there any other Peter Gabriel song? Nope. Time for a hint, I think. There is a song in the top 10 that is tied extremely closely with a very famous movie. 
Ghostbusters. It's not Ghostbusters. It's a different movie. Is it Don't You Forget About Me? No, that's a good guess though. Old Time Rock and Roll? No. Oh, uh, is it uh, Danger Zone? No. These are, I think these are good guesses. No, they are. I've, I've like forgot about a lot of these till you said them. This song, I'm reading you some notes, see if you can guess it. This song was recorded at the request of the star of this movie after Queen denied him permission to use Another One Bites the Dust. After Queen denied him that, this person asked this artist to make this song. The song was nominated for the 1982 Academy Award for Best Original Song. The song was also nominated for the 1983 Grammy Award for Song of the Year. That's all the hints I can give you for now. Came out in 1982. Give me one last good guess and then I'll give it to you. Came at the request of a star. The star, writer, and director. Oh, star, writer, and director. It also features Hulk Hogan. Oh, it's Eye of the Tiger. It's the Eye of the Tiger. It's the thrill of the fight. Eye of the Tiger by Survivor. For Rocky IV. No, Rocky III. Oh, right. Yeah, Eye of the Tiger was Rocky III. What number in the top 10 do you think this song is? Gotta be four or five. It's three. Now, here's what surprises me about this. I know this song is reused all the time in movies, TVs, commercials. I would not think it's something people want to listen to on their Spotify playlist, but I guess I'm wrong. So, we have to take into account with this, are people using Spotify personally? There's people who use it and are listening in headphones and listening to stuff that they may not admit to everyone that they're listening to at the gym. And I bet Eye of the Tiger is one of those ones who are like, I know it's kind of lame, but every time I listen to this, (laughs) I get all pumped up for the gym. I think there's a lot of that. And so far, most of these songs are also songs that you could put on a public playlist for like a sporting event or just any sort of event where you have a large crowd of people and you have to play music that everyone can know and enjoy. So far, all of these fit on here that kit from like kids to old people can listen to them and to some degree enjoy them. Survivor's Eye of the Tiger has been played on Spotify 34.2 million times per year. It ranked as high as number one on Billboard. In fact, it ranked for six weeks at number one. And I have some very interesting political notes about this song. Oh, oh yeah, because politicians keep using it. <laughs> Which, by the way, I'm just surprised. <laughs> it's a it's song that... It's a song yeah. that makes white people feel strong. <laughs> yeah, I've got the eye of the tiger. I'm going to get these taxes done with my tiger eyes. I got some of the whitest gentlemen in the world that are being sued by Survivor. Survivor in 2012 sued Republican presidential candidate Newt Gingrich. <laughs> <laughs> he used eye of the tiger without authorization as entrance music at his political rallies. <laughs> eye of the tiger and ass of a rhino. You'd think these fucking, a lot of these guys, well, all of these guys are rich political assholes. You think they would know you can't use a song without permission. And that most artists besides like Ted Nugent and Kit Rock are probably not going to grant them permission because they're old, white, crusty, <laughs> crusty. lamos. I mean, even regardless of their political positions, they're fucking lame as hell. They're just dorky. I know what I'll do. I'll play Eye of the Tiger at my political event and we'll all feel, we'll get all fucking pumped up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Republican candidate Mitt Romney also sued. And last but not least, uh, in 2015, 
governor of Arkansas and Republican presidential candidate Mike Huckabee, listener of the show, he was sued for using Eye the Tiger at a political rally without their permission. This rally in particular took place in September 2015 when Kim Davis, remember her? Kentucky County clerk who was released from jail after spending five days there for refusing to issue marriage licenses to same-sex couples in Kentucky. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember. Mike Huckabee stood with her and there was a rally at her release where they played Eye the Tiger because of what an inspiration she is. To homophobes. Yep. We need to be clear about who inspira- her inspiration was provided to. People who are deathly afraid of <laughs> things that aren't exactly like them. It was reported that Huckabee had agreed in a confidential out-of-court out settlement to pay $25,000 in compensation. A small price to pay for lifting up on a pedestal the <laughs> yeah, beacon for- of homophobic inspiration that is Kim Davis. For getting off, for just getting a bunch of old people pumped up. You know, that song was playing as like 78-year-old people shuffled their way back to their Buicks to go home. <laughs> Oh, we gotta get out of here. They're blowing all this rock and roll at us. That's Eye of the Tiger. Okay. Is there anything by... I said there's no Whitney Houston. Are there? Is there anything by a female artist, a solo female artist, or a female band? Yes. Blondie? No, I... I I'll be honest. I mean, apparently this is a hit, but I, I looked it up and I couldn't even remember hearing this song before, but it's, it's on the top 10. It's by Wilson Phillips. No, it's a solo artist. It was from her self-titled 1988 debut album. It gained a lot of traction recently for her appearance on the Nelson Mandela 70th birthday tribute. Oh. was the catalyst for the song becoming a top 10 hit in the United States. It was nominated for two Grammy Awards in 1989. It tells a grittily realistic story of a working poor woman trying to escape the cycle of poverty. And it ranked number 167 on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs of All Time list. The highest ranking song both written and performed by a female artist. And this was off of a debut album? Yes. Or, or a self-titled album? Self-titled debut album. Oh, well, I was going to say Aretha Franklin, but that wouldn't be... Tracy Chapman, Fast Car. Ah. Uh, well, Tracy Chapman makes sense. I didn't... I, I wasn't thinking about the, the song Fast Car. Yeah. Came out in 1988. I got really hung up on the Nelson Mandela connection. Yeah, she performed there and that gave a huge resurgence to this song. Number four? Yeah, number four, a 32 million Spotify plays. Yeah, this song is just not on my radar either. Sorry, Tracy. Sorry, Tracy Chapman. No offense. Offense intended. So, I have four left. Big mainstream band in the top ten. It's not Bon Jovi? It is Bon Jovi. Is it... Living on a prayer. Oh, living on a prayer. Take my hand. Is this number five? Number five. Bon Jovi, 1986, Living on a Prayer from the album Slippery When Wet. Ew. Has 29.7 million Spotify plays. Bon Jovi is one of only three artists to appear more than once in the top 20. Not the top 10 though. Uh, Bon Jovi himself, as in John Bon Jovi, did not like the original recording of the song. Uh, Lead guitarist Richie Sambora, however, convinced him the song was good and they reworked it uh, with a new bass line that John Bon Jovi approved of. (laughs) Did you call it a bass line? Bass line. They had a fish flopping around in the background. (laughs) I was like, God damn, this does sound better. 
It deals with the way two kids, Tommy and Gina, face life's struggles and how their love and ambitions get them through the hard times. Okay. That's a quote from John Bon Jovi. And the music video, my last note, has 570 million views on YouTube. And in 2006, online voters rated Living on a Prayer the number one song of the 80s. Well, they shouldn't have. According to VH1. Yuck. Not a fan, Brandy? I don't like hate it, but uh, the best song of the 80s, I don't remember the music video off the top of my head, so I'm pulling it up right now. Oh, living on hot dogs. Why is the music video for Living on a Prayer so popular? It just looks like a bunch of guys with 80s metal hair. It's just them singing or pretended to sing at a fake concert. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hot take from Brandon. Next time you go looking for a 1980s video to watch, instead watch Sledgehammer. Sledgehammer, that's the one by Destiny's Child? Back to the list. Okay, there's another big hitter, big mainstream band on here. Two of them, in fact. One of these is still around today. Still making hit. U2. U2. Is it Where the Streets Have No Name? No. With or Without You? With or Without You. It's number seven. Number six. With or Without You by U2 from 1987, 29.7 million Spotify plays. It's from their album, The Joshua Tree. Bono wrote the lyrics during his first night visiting Cote de Ezer. How do you say that? Cote de Ezer. While struggling to reconcile his responsibilities as both a married man and a musician. His wander- <laughs> Whatever, you dickhead. <laughs> his- can't do- I can't- well, I can't do an Irish accent. Like, ah, I can't do both. I got to be one or the other. I could either be a huge douche. Well, no, he can be a huge douche either way, because he is. <laughs> I'll figure out a way to make this douche business work. <laughs> hello, hello. <laughs> In belonging to a musical act was often at odds with his domestic life. While writing the lyrics, he realized that neither facet of life, his life denied him, but rather the tensions between the two did. <laughs> okay. It is uh, number 132 on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs of All Time. I'm not a U2 fan myself. Oh, I am a U2 fan, but like <laughs> Bono is Bono is something else. Is Bono his actual name? I don't remember. I think I've looked it up before. Let's, uh, I'll find out. No. Bono was born Paul David Hewson. Hewson? Known by his stage name, Bono. Well, I mean, as far as stage names, his is, uh, his is a lot more palatable than The Edge. His name starts with The. His name was Dow David Howell Evans. They both had just very sort of kind of little little Irish guy names that didn't sound too badass. I'm like, let's call ourselves Bono and what are you going to be? Fucking The Edge. I hate The Edge, that name. My friend Trey pointed out he was watching a live performance uh, of YouTube performing because we had wondered how do they refer to the edge when they're speaking to him. Like if I wanted you to pass the hot dog, hmm. I would say, Nick, please pass the hot dog. Do they say the edge, please pass the hot dog? The In this concert, it was like the best way to describe what a, a D-bag Bono is and also answer our question. Bono was kind of brushing his hair out, uh, you know, away from his ears and he says, 
We're restless spirits, aren't we, The Edge? Oh, my God. And The, the Edge just nodded solemnly. It, <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. Uh, I, David Howell Evans, also known as The Edge, is a restless spirit in a beanie. I need to look at The Edge. I can't even picture him in my head. Like most restless spirits, I wear a beanie. And I wear tinted sunglasses. Oh, that's The Edge? I was expecting someone badass looking. This guy looks like an uncle. He's a little old man in a beanie. What the hell? Two more left. You said there's another big mainstream band. Yes. Is it rock and roll? Yes. We know it's not Van Halen. They have a guitarist that also has a stage name. Guns N' Roses and the song has got to be November Rain. No, Sweet Child of Mine. Ah. 1988, Sweet Child of Mine, 29.2 million Spotify plays. What number is it? Seven. It's from their album, Appetite for Destruction. It is Guns N' Roses' only number one single on the Billboard Hot 100. This is a fucking, so fucking hard song on Guitar Hero 3. Guitarist Slash. What do you think? What's Slash look like? I think I thought Slash, slash is was kind the of edge. A, slash kind of looks like a goober too. Yeah, <laughs> goober. And his hat. Which sucks. You don't like his hat? Don't like his hat. I love that hat. <laughs> he looks like a he looks like a fucking sorcerer. <laughs> well, I've been completely derailed here. Let me go back. Oh shit! Slash got fat. Slash said that the song turned into a huge hit, and it now makes me sick. I mean, I like <laughs> it, but I hate what it represents. <laughs> There's something about these uh, '80s hair brand band dickheads. The way that they like talk and just shit on stuff with no problem at all. I kind yeah. of respect. Yeah, song that made made me millions of dollars. I'm fucking sick of it. it. Makes me sick. Yeah. To make Sweet, Sweet Child of Mine more marketable to MTV and radio stations, the song was cut down uh, almost a full minute for the video radio edit with much of Slash's solo removed. This drew the ire of the band including frontman Axl Rose who commented on it. He said, I hate the radio edit. It's missing the best part, the solo. There's no reason for that to be missing except to create more space for commercials so the radio station owners can get more advertising dollars. He's not wrong. No. Uh Axl Rose is many things. Uh, first and foremost is probably an asshole, but he's also right a lot of the time. Right as rain. Right as November rain. He's not right on time for, for a concert. Is he known for being late? Guns N' Roses are known for being late, but a lot of it I think is specifically due to Axl. You know, I saw an Alice in Chains concert a few years back and it was so refreshing because there was no opening act and the band showed up right on time. Like right at, right at concert start time, the band walked out on the stage and just started playing. I fucking love that. I've been to a few like that too where they come out right on time and they're like, it's business time. Yeah. I, I don't like those concerts. I've been to a few. Uh, Metallica was one recently where there's an opening act and then it's like over an hour between the opening act and the band coming out and I don't get it. I mean, you know, you've known you've had this show to do all day. All day. <laughs> Metallica, <laughs> put your pants on and get out here. It was a great show though. Last, last one on the list is number eight. Yeah, let me read you 20 through 11. Okay. Number 20 is Brian Adams, Summer of 69. <laughs> yeah. Number 19 <laughs> is... <laughs> Hell yeah. Tell me what's number 19. The Final Countdown by Europe. 18 is Take On Me by Aha. 
17 is You Give Love a Bad Name by Bon Jovi. 16 is Our Friends Again at Guns N' Roses with Paradise City. 15, Guns N' Roses again with Welcome to the Jungle. 14, Queen. Queen wasn't in the top 10. What do you think their top song was though from the 80s on this list? Another One Bites the Dust. Another One Bites the Dust. And then 13 is, how do we say this name? Eurythmics? Eurythmics? Eurythmics. Sweet Dreams Are Made of This. 12, Michael Jackson, Man in the Mirror. 11, The Police, Every Breath You Take. And then we're in the top 10. You're missing number eight. I think this is a one-hit wonder, but I admittedly don't know a lot about this band, so I could be wrong. Is it rock and roll? (laughs) Rock and, is it rock and or roll? In my notes here, it says, the soft rock and jazz fusion. Ooh. Is it Arthur's theme, Caught Between the Moon and New York City by Criss Cross? Christopher Cross? Is it the song by Christopher Cross? No. Have you ever thought about the concept of a soft rock? Yeah, yacht rock. Soft rock. Well, I mean, no, I mean just like a rock that's soft. Sometimes you got to rock a little soft. Oh. I'm talking about like a physical rock in your yard that's soft. Well, it's just a squishy ball at that point, right? That's a sponge. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. The song is about a continent. Oh, Africa by Toto. Africa by Toto. Is that a one-hit wonder? Toto, uh, I think they might have had one other hit. They still perform, I think. Yeah. Well, their song Africa came out in 1982. It has 25 million plays on Spotify. It's from their album Toto 4. Uh, It reached number one on the Billboard Hot 100. While popular in the 80s and 90s, the song became certified gold in 91 and saw a resurgence in popularity via social media in the 2010s, including a fan-requested cover by uh, rock band Weezer. Yeah. The cover by Weezer peaked at number 51 on the Hot 100 and that led to a big resurgence in the Spotify plays for the song. And it's also been used in numerous television shows and internet memes including Stranger Things, Family Guy, South Park and was used by CBS during their coverage of the funeral of former South African President Nelson Mandela. (laughs) Oh, fucking of course it was. (laughs) Albeit not without controversy. No shit. What a stupid idea. Where's he from? Africa? Let's get that fucking song about Africa. I mean, it's only one of the biggest fucking continents with like tons of different cultures uh, of which he was only a part of one. Let's just fucking blanket the whole continent with this shit. Wow, burying him with a hot take. I mean, I've been on a and you have also as a part of our work have been on teams in which ideas are floated and sometimes bad ideas are floated And people say like, well, that's not going to work for this reason or yeah, we probably shouldn't do that. And you know that this idea had to be floated in a meeting with a bunch of people with either no brains or no spines who (laughs) couldn't say like, oh, eh, probably not the best idea. It's not like appropriate. It has nothing to do with, you know, him. Well, it's because it's it's Americans planning this, this coverage and this song. But I'm an American and I've got at least enough brains to go like, yeah, just get some orchestral music. Just get something that... Sounds like sad funeral, be serious because a, uh, an international, you know, dignitary and spokesman died. Let's not put a f- fucking pop song just because he's from Africa. I don't know. Makes sense. Song's about Africa. Say, say Africa right in the song. <laughs> what song from this top 10 would you choose for your funeral, Brandon, that's nationally televised on CBS? So, it has, has to be from the top 10 80 songs that are popular on Spotify today. Did I stutter? Thriller. 
I'm picking. I'm picking Thriller. I'll tell you what it should be. It should be Don't Stop Believing because. No. Never. You don't stop believing that you're not a sidekick host. No, it should be the one. It should be Thriller. And at the beginning, when you hear that creak, that. That's me opening the lid of my coffin and sitting up to sing the song. (laughs) Brandon, what would you do if you were at a funeral for someone you loved? And I want a real reaction here from you. Uh What would you do if in the middle of the funeral, you're sitting there and you... No, no, it's it's at the viewing, right? You walk up and you go up to the casket and the person winks at you. Wait, their eyes have to be open and then to Yeah, fine. Wink. They open their eyes and then they wink at you and then they close them again. Okay. Would you turn to the person next to you and say, did you see that? I would say nothing. I would immediately assume that I was having like a mental breakdown and that like something was wrong in my brain and I wouldn't say anything to anyone and I would never go near that casket again and I would just be on, uh, I would be on complete alert for weeks or months <laughs> trying to see if I noticed anything else that was, that made me think I was going crazy. But no, I, in the moment I would not, I wouldn't try to ignore, I would be too unsure of my sanity. I think I wouldn't, I couldn't help myself but to say something to someone and be like, you guys saw that, right? Well, I would all, I, they sew eyelids shut. Hmm. Did you know that? No. Yeah, they sew part of the process of preparing a body for funeral, if that if it's going to be placed in a casket and viewed, they sew the eyelids shut and knowing that if I saw the eyelids open and wink at me, logically in my head, I'm thinking I must have been seeing things because the eyelids are supposed to be sewn shut. Well, I'm cursed with knowledge. (laughs) Yeah. How come you don't ever bring some of that knowledge to this show? I just did. No, that doesn't count. All right. Well, okay. Let's go back through the top 10 then, shall we? Tell me. Number 10 is Michael Jackson Thriller. 9, Michael Jackson Beat It. 8, Toto Africa. 7, Guns N' Roses Sweet Child of Mine. 6, U2 With or Without You. You know what's funny about that? Their name is U2. So, it's like U2 but with or without you. That's that's funny. Bon Jovi Living on a Prayer. 4, Tracy Chapman Fast Car which just seems way out of place on this list. 3, Survivor Eye of the Tiger. 2, Michael Jackson Billie Jean. And number 1, Journey Don't Stop Believing by a huge margin, number 1. Good for you, Journey. I forgot to mention that Mike DeGagny or Mike DeGagna of All Music has described Don't Stop Believing as, quote, a perfect rock song and an anthem featuring one of the best opening keyboard riffs in all of rock. Because when I think of rock, I think of keyboards. Keyboard riffs. Bust out your keytar and start riffing. But you know, none of these are as good as number two on the 90s list, which was Mariah Carey's Christmas song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> don't, don't say, oh, yeah, like you're not listening to that today. You met, you admitted you had it on your Spotify list, remember? It's on a Christmas list, yeah. Mm. But it's one of those ones that I always skip past and keep thinking, oh, I need to remind myself to take this off of there. That's okay. Mariah Carey's fine. She has a great voice. Um, you're, you're allowed to have that on your Spotify playlist and listen to it daily. That's fine. That was your opportunity to say hell of an ass. You didn't say it this episode. The episode's not over, friend. We still have to read iTunes reviews. Let's read them. If you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts slash iTunes, we will read it on this show. I don't care what it says. You could say whatever you want about Brandon. I promise you I'll read it. This one comes from Funnybo9122 who's actually left us a review before. This is an updated one. Do you know what he says? Uh-oh. 
If you're not listening to this podcast, just go ahead and unsubscribe right now. Good point. The irony of that, isn't that great? Right. It's so... F- That's the joke. Yeah. Thank you, Funnybone9122, but don't unsubscribe right now. Mm-mm. The other one I'm going to read is from our friends at the Quick Bites podcast. They said, I've been listening a lot lately, hopping around episodes, and I feel like you guys are such natural now. In parentheses, no Nick, I'm not screaming at you with my exclamation point. Because I always get on to people for doing that. Mm-hmm. Thanks for giving me hope that this podcast thing gets easier and more comfortable. P.S. I will eat a hot dog over an airport trash can with Brandon anytime. I don't do that. Hashtag hot dog Brandon. Well, I'll watch you do it. <laughs> but I am not participating. You can tweet Brandon, hashtag hot dog Brandon at, what is it? At equal co-host on Twitter. Hashtag hot dog Brandon, hashtag hot dog Brandon, hashtag hot dog Brandon, hashtag hot dog Brandon, hashtag hot dog Brandon. Those don't count as hashtags when you say them verbally. Oh, <laughs> it wasn't populating tweets every time I said that? <laughs> you can also buy your hashtag hot dog Brandon shirt at tennispod.com slash merch. Yeah. Please leave us a review on iTunes and rate us five stars too. It really helps our show and helps people find our show. You can also learn more about us and find our episodes anytime at tennispod.com. You can find us on social mediums at tennispod. Brandon, our 50th episode is coming up in just a few weeks. Can you believe it? Our diamond anniversary. Our diamond. That's not a diamond. Yeah, it is. No, it's not. Well. Diamond's 100, right? No one has a 100-year <laughs> wedding anniversary. <laughs> well, it's not just weddings that have anniversaries, Brandon. Lots of things have anniversaries. I'm looking it up. You're so stupid. You're so shitty. No, the 60th is diamond. 50 is gold. I'm right here. Oh, uh, it is. And let's see where it, what 100 is. There is no one. 70th, 70th is as high as it goes. It's platinum. Brandon? Uh, no, 90th. Where? 90th is, well, there isn't one in the US, but in the UK, it's stone. Yeah, I see that. How could you have a 90th anniversary? If you got married when you were both 13 years old and you both lived to 103. To 103. Okay. That's not that inconceivable. And in fact, even if you got married at 16 and you had a, you could have a hundred year anniversary. And our rose would be a yellow rose or a violet. For a hundred? No, for 50. Um, we passed rubies and I didn't get any. <laughs> I haven't gotten any of these. What? You fucker. You should have started out with a pearl huh. and then a garnet. I missed a moonstone. I missed onyx. I missed turquoise and jade. Onyx? That's a Pokemon. Where do you see Onyx? Seventh. You missed all these. It doesn't fucking matter now. Do you know what kind of Pokemon Onyx is? Uh, is he black and shiny? Onyx is like a big snake made out of rocks. Is he black? No, he's grayish. Aren't Onyx stones black in color? Do you think I know? How many Onyx stones do you think I've been given in my life? Oh, they have a white streak in them. Oh, no, they can be different colors. There's red and black. So, hey, man, we learned a lot of stuff today. Yeah, I'm sending you... Oh, Onyx, the Pokemon is spelled with an I, not a Y. I found him. He looks like he's... He looks like a turd. Now, how do you know it's him or her? Why? Because he's ugly and I equate ugliness with masculinity. That's sexist. Well, a sexist against the one that I am, which is fine by me. Hmm. Signing off. Are we signing off? I didn't get my hell of an ass in. Onyx has about 19 of them to, to talk about. One hell of an ass on all 19 of Onyx's asses. <laughs> Learn how to draw Onyx for free. 
just draw a bunch of circles. <laughs> okay, we'll be back next week with episode 42. Brandon will have the list. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye.